You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, if I asked you to open your Bibles, there's two or three places that you could just probably guess at one of them and have one out of three chances of getting it right. So just go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2, if you would please. Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles. Yep, find your place and and hold it there. And um, so I've been announcing for the last couple of weeks that we're going to have, oh, a few people in our house. Um, I think there's 14. I think there's 14 of us in our house, and, um, and every one of them said to me, now, Dad, um, if you don't have a stand, we're going to be very disappointed. Um, and so I, I, I don't di- like disappoint my family, but I would like to introduce my family to you. If you guys would stand, please. All my family over there. Amen. You see some, um, see some boys in there? Yep, I do have boys in the family now. Take a long, hard time to get them, but we want to welcome each of them. Um, honestly, you can just stay standing. Um, I, can, I can go to the door and, and I'm a visitation and I can have my wife with me. And somebody comes to the door and I go to introduce myself, I'll turn around and I'll forget the name of my wife sometimes. So I'm not going to, to try to, to name everybody, but this is our crew and you can be seated now. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. Now, my wife didn't stand either, but that's one more female. And did you see how many females were in that group? <laughs> Two bathrooms. <laughs> and um, lots of patients <laughs> at, at our house. We're pretty excited. We're pretty excited to have uh, them with our, all the grandkids. And were they all in here as well? Two more, uh, two of them are back on the roof? No. Uh, <laughs> We got them off of there, didn't we? Back in junior church, that's right. All right, so it's a blessing. And I know some of you have your family with you as well, and that just sure makes, it makes for Christmas, doesn't it? Just to be able to, to be with family and have a great time and lots of stories that I'm sure uh, will be to come from, uh, from different uh, incidents and so forth. Yeah, lots of calories, man. You guys loaded us down. I'm gonna tell you what, you guys did. Your family just really loaded us up with... Um, that low-fat breads and stuff and things like that, but we've, it's been good and we've appreciated that. Looking forward to the week. We may get some snow this week. Have you heard that? It just might happen, so we'll have to wait and see. Luke chapter 2. We've read this so many times, haven't we? You probably almost quote the verses I'm, as I'm going to read down through here. We're going to read down through verse 20. And it's a Christmas story, guys. Uh, We'll read it again tomorrow, at least here or in Matthew, one of those uh, places we will. So if you will just follow along with me. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, let's be reminded again. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, it's probably one of my favorite stories in all the Christmas story. This is one of my favorites here. They were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, could any other Baptist just say a big amen to that? I guess so. Uh, I'm out in the field at nighttime watching the, uh, the sheep, and all of a sudden the, the sky lights up and an angel appears. Later on, a whole host of them appears, and they were sore afraid. I know what that means, sore afraid. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass when the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this uh, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. We can just pray there. Lord, again, we are truly grateful no matter how many times we've read this story. It's always fresh and new to my heart. Just to be reminded once again, like uh, that fresh bread out of the oven, Lord, how great that, that uh, bread of life smells to us Every time we read the story and what you've done for us here today, may we be mindful of that. May we be encouraged and challenged in it. May we, as we go through this Christmas season, um, be reminded and be able to tell our kids exactly what Christmas really and truly is all about. So bless the Word of God here today, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This... Um, Several times I've preached this passage, and I've even preached this message uh, two or three times, probably down through the years. And um, this is one more opportunity for me to be able to share and preach this, and I wanted to preach it again uh, here today. So if you would look there into verse 10, here's these guys out in the field, and this great announcement comes, and we've got this, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, now maybe in your Bible, maybe it's underlined by now, because I've used this several times. I bring you, notice first of all, good tidings. Secondly, of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings, great joy, all people. I am so thankful for that verse in the Bible. 
Now, let me share with you something that some of the folks that maybe are in here were alive during this time and will have remembered and maybe would have experienced some of what I'm going to uh, read about here for this uh, first little illustration. World War II uh, was perhaps the bloodiest and the most terrifying conflict in at least my known human history. Uh, America lost almost, and I know these have to be estimates, would be hard to know exactly how many we lost, but America lost uh, somewhere around a half million soldiers in World War II. I, uh, I was amazed as I was looking at some of these figures, the Soviet Union suffered an estimate of almost 17 million um, of their men. That was 15% of their total population. Can you imagine that? Um, China lost, and this is one that just blew me away. I had no idea. China lost 20 million soldiers in that great battle. And again, the United States, we lost somewhere around a half million. And you say, well, that was, wasn't that much compared to some of these other countries, and I agree with that. But guys, it was so devastating of a time to be living during a time like that. And unless, uh, and my generation has really never really known the kind of war like that, though I, I lived during the Vietnam War, and I still do remember <clears throat> the phone calls that would come in and the, the different news that would go around that uh, so-and-so had received the call that their son or their husband had uh, had been taken, their life had been taken, but it was a very, very devastating time. And again, unless you've experienced war, it would really kind of be hard for us to grasp the human emotion of a war. This was a world war. It was, it was devastating. Um, <clears throat> wives and parents, as I've already said, would, they would dread back in that day the telegrams and sometimes the letters that would inform them the loss of their husband or a son. And it was like a, a dark, ugly cloud literally hung over the world because of this terrible time. The news was devastating. But on Tuesday, August the 14th, 1945, the Japanese finally agreed to surrender. And people across our country I even went online, and it would be worth you doing this. Go online and look at that date, August 14, 1945. Look at some of the video clips that were taken back in the day, and look what the people were doing. It was, I mean, all over our country. People poured out into the street, hooting and hollering, and they were waving flags, and they were hugging their neighbors uh, up and down New York. Uh, confetti was pouring out of windows to celebrate what was called VJ Day or Victory Over Japan Day. What um, uh, some parents were so very uh, aware of was that some of their sons who were POWs were going to be released eventually and uh, hope of maybe seeing um, their husband or son coming home was was running sky high. And not only that, if they never even had a, a boy in the army serving, 
just to know that that ugly, dark time was finally reached uh, an end. The newspapers, and they used more black ink on that day than they probably had in the previous 10 weeks, because in huge black letters across many of their newspapers, war ended, Japan surrenders, and it was a time of rejoicing. And they didn't just rejoice for one day. They were several days, they, they would go to bed late at night uh, having rejoiced all day long. They'd wake up the very next day and they, they right back out into the streets rejoicing and hugging and just, it was one of the greatest times. And again, uh, unless you've ever lived during the gloom and the despair and the darkness of war, you really couldn't quite relate to the joy that was flooding into the hearts of the Americans at that time. And around the world, a cry of happiness and relief and joy echoed for many days following that news that finally came to the world. The war was over. But if I could say this, even with that fervor and that joy back in 1945, that joy really should pale in comparison to the joy that the angel announced in our text here this morning. You can read Luke chapter 2 and nobody jumps up and hoots and hollers and throws confetti in the air and, and have great excitement. But I will tell you there was one person that got it and understood how big a deal this really was and that was the angel that was trying to announce. They didn't just throw words around. When, a, when an angel came with a heavenly message from God, I mean it was with everything they had. And to say that we've got this great joy uh, the, these good tidings uh, that's come to all people was a really, really, somehow it was a really, really big deal. And uh, those shepherds, once they got past the fear and everything that was taking place um, on that night, realized what had just happened. So if I can just uh, have you just imagine for just a few minutes, I've got a pretty vivid imagination. And while Bible stories are being read, I, would, uh, I was one of the little guys in the, in the Sunday school classroom. The teacher was always, Philip, Philip, look, look up here. And you need to listen. Well, she didn't know I was listening. I, I could have been picking on my friend or I, I could have been playing with something else. But honestly, I, I was listening. My imagination was just running. And I could envision the story and see what was going on. And when you get into these shepherd's shoes, guys, can you just imagine what that would have been like? Out in, in the fields at night. Um, you're listening for the cry of maybe a wolf or the rustling and the bleeding of a sheep because maybe a, a fox or a wolf had came in and, uh, and attacked a lamb and was trying to run off with that. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you're already on edge and you're listening, it's dark outside and sometimes uh, a little noise can make you uh, the most fearful. And then all of a sudden, the sky lights up and this angel drops down out of the sky. And just imagine what uh, must have been going through that guy, th those shepherds' minds. I'll read it again, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Now, has anybody here ever, um, we talked about this the other day, you ever drop a rubber snake in front of your wife? And then she's on the counter and she's screaming and throwing glasses at you. Um, and then you pick it up and say, Look, it's just fake. It's fake. It's no big deal. Uh, she'll be on the counter for the next 10 minutes still, still uh, saying loud noises uh, towards you. 
and they don't just come down right away because the fear, you know, your feeler is up there at 10 and it's still bouncing up there. And I'm, I'm listening to what is said here. The angel said unto them, fear not. Oh, okay. I'll just stop being afraid. Uh, angels show up all the time like this. When I've got this idea that fear was still striking their hearts. Their emotions are running. The heart is pounding. And the angel said unto them, fear not. And here's the message. For behold, I bring you, and it's, it's a good three-point outline for a preacher, good tidings of great joy. Praise the Lord, which shall be to all people. I love that. So let's look at exactly what was being said to these unlikely shepherds here in verse 10 on that night. And if we can just start with um, the first thing that the angel said, um, I, I, I bring you good tidings. We don't use that word today very often. Uh, good tidings. I've never really honestly walked up and said that to somebody. But I, I have said to people, I got some good news. I got some great things I'm excited to be able to tell you. And that's exactly what the angel was trying to get these shepherds to understand. Now, again, let's, let's kind of climb back into their shoes for a minute and get the mindset of these shepherds. What shepherd living in this day and age, um, didn't know about the stories of the Old Testament that had been obviously passed on down to uh, many of those in that day and age of, of years gone by, biblical stories and, and creation and the flood and so on. And there were stories about angels. For instance, um, back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, do you remember what it was that prevented them from being able to go back in and partake of the fruit uh, of uh, the tree of life? God had placed cherubim or these special guardian angels at the entrance so that if they tried to go back in, I mean, they, they, just, it would, they would do so at their own life. And the cherubim's job, those angels were, you know, to keep them with those flaming swords standing there. It was a fearful thing. So uh, they knew the story of, of uh, that angel. That angel did not bear a good message. You cannot come in. Or when Balaam, if you remember Balaam and the, the talking donkey and then the talking prophet who talked to a talking donkey. It's one of my funniest stories to me in the whole Bible. And uh, God had told him, no, I don't want you to go and curse my people. But he kept begging, so to speak. And God let him go. And while he's riding on the donkey, two or three different things happened to try to, you know, the donkey didn't want to go. The donkey could see what the prophet couldn't see. And finally, when God opened Balaam's eyes, there stood that angel. I believe he had a sword in his hand, if I'm not mistaken, and had it raised, ready to strike the disobedient prophet. And that angel was not a good angel the, in, in, as far as uh, Balaam was concerned. So there's another incident. The cherubim with flaming swords. Here's another angel with, uh, you know, kind of a scary appearance. And then King David. Those of you that remember the story of David, uh, somewhere toward the end of his life, he, um, he had it in his mind. The devil moved upon him, and he just wanted to number all of his armies. Well, there's really nothing wrong with knowing how many soldiers you have unless you have the motive that David had on that day. And that was, if I can know how many soldiers we have, I'll know how strong we really are rather than just trusting that we only need one king will handle any number of enemy soldiers that come against us. So it was a bad day in David's life. He was lifted up in pride. 
and uh, God judged him and God gave him a choice of the things that he would want to choose that would uh, be the, you know, his, his chastisement for what he had done. And David chose three days of, a, of the plague of the Lord. And uh, somewhere near the end of that plague, uh, David walked up to this certain spot after those three days and 70,000 Israelites had been slain because of this great sin against David. And what David saw when he looked up was the angel standing there with his sword drawn in his hand. Those are the stories that would have been passed on down through the ages, working their way, no doubt, on up into the book of Luke chapter 2, where um, here's some shepherds watching over their flocks by night. I mean, what shepherd of Israel wouldn't have known those stories? All of this was part of heart and soul, my idea of these people that have lived in the land and have known the Bible stories passed on down through the years. So when these angels showed up for these three shepherds or these shepherds that were there, you've got to understand the fear that came over them. Their idea probably was, now what did we do when this angel comes and appears before them like that? As I've read and told you before about the World War II, the telegrams were not good telegrams. No mother wanted to get a telegram that had the name of their son or their husband on that telegram. It was, it, was not, uh, it was not the news, it was not the tidings that they wanted to get. And I know probably in this room here this morning with the, the crowd that we have here today, there's no doubt that sometime in this year that we are now living in, you've received some kind of a message, an email, a phone call, somebody walking up to you and telling you news or tidings that possibly you did not want to hear. But on this night with these shepherds, what I get to stand here and tell you this morning is that these shepherds got the greatest news that has ever been delivered to anybody on the face of the earth. Nobody's ever gotten a message like this. Nobody ever got the tidings or, you know, the, the newspaper paper article that could have been read that day delivered to these unlikely paper boys themselves because they immediately took off and went and found that it was true and went and shared this message with everybody. It was good tidings. I mean, it was even better than the news that World War II is over. It was better than all the screaming and hollering out in the streets after they announced that the Japanese have finally surrendered. That, that lasted for several days, and then for weeks they were probably so excited, and then even for months after the son or the husband probably got home, I'm sure there was still joy. I mean, after a while, it kind of settled back down to normal, and, uh, and they may look back on and remember what a great day that was. I, re I remember when my, my brother Rudy got to come home from uh, the Vietnam War, I remember my mom and dad being on the phone and I remember them hanging the phone up and I saw the look that my dad gave my mom and I saw a look I had never seen in their eyes, uh, uh, such joy and excitement and to hear those words, he's coming home. And, and man, the tears would well up in, in dad's eyes and they would flow down mom's face and it was a great time. But uh, it settled down after a while and, and Rudy was Rudy and, and after a year or so and then the news was great but not as great as the news that we've got on this day here. 
the tidings that we get today, guys, doesn't just last in this lifetime. And, um, and it was good in Sunday school this morning for uh, uh, John Paul, my son-in-law, gave his testimony how God saved him out of a wicked lifestyle and brought him into you know, to the light that we have here today. That's not just a story he can tell today. That's not just a story when he's older and, and uh, uh, others are gathered around that he can tell uh, in his latter years. That's a story he's going to be able to tell down through eternity. And imagine when we get to heaven, and I, I love those, uh, those old hymns that we sing, I, I love to tell the story. And when we get into glory, it'll be uh, the, my theme in glory. The last forever. It's the greatest news anybody has ever received or has ever been delivered of all time. So good news today. Jesus has come, our long-awaited Messiah, finally has come to the earth to deliver his people from their sin. <clears throat> so, I mean, they'd waited a long, long time. And every woman of the Old Testament longed to not just bear a child, but to have a son that potentially could be the Christ child, the Messiah that was going to be brought to this earth. They longed for and waited for for hundreds of years for this news to finally come. And so eventually and finally, here come the angel and that great host that also joined them. Look in verse 13. And uh, after that announcement, and suddenly there was with the angel... A multitude, as if the one wasn't, I say bad enough, scary enough to them, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying that great uh, announcement, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I mean, I just know how I'm easily distracted when something um, is taking place and I'm supposed to be paying attention to something and I can hear a little noise uh, uh, even like if somebody coughs out loud in, in church, I try not to show it, but it, it, it catches me off guard, just little things like that. Can you just imagine one angel talking to you and then the heavenly host shows up? Would have been overwhelming to have gotten that news. Well, good tidings. What's the next one? Great joy. Back there in, in verse 10. I bring you... Uh, Good tidings of great joy. So at this point in time, <clears throat> living during this time, Israel is under the rule of uh, the mighty kingdom of Rome. You're probably familiar with that. <clears throat> Down through the history of these Israelites, uh, many kingdoms had come and taken them into captivity and had persecuted the Jews mercilessly. Those of you that have read the Old Testament, you know what uh, I've read. You know how bad it was for families to be taken. Uh, husbands would be drawn away, in some cases slain, and the wives and their children taken away as slaves. I mean, it's just horrible, ugly, uh, bad memories in the minds of these uh, Israelites. Many, many nights, Jewish women would go to bed as a widow, uh, obviously, for the first time. Their husbands had been slain in battle against the enemy. Children taken into slavery. It was an ugly time for Israel. And times had gotten really, really bad during their persecutions. I mean, Israel had uh, famines that would come to them. They've all seen some really, really bad days. And this darkness begins to loom over their, uh, their minds and their heads. And that all-too-familiar emotion of Israel for many, many years, probably no doubt were emotions like fear and anguish, despair, depression, and hopelessness. 
uh, because of the way their history had gone. They'd walked away from God. And, and of course, this was the punishment of God or the correction of God in their life. And times got really, really bad. I don't know, again, as I said a while ago, what, what your year has been like and what maybe you have been through. I'm familiar with much uh, history of some things that have taken place this year. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if it just seems like for some of you that even this morning, while you're sitting here today, this just dark cloud is over me or my, my uh, family. There's a circumstance that if it would be known, it's a really dark and ugly cloud in my life. And it's very, very difficult. And I, I have been there. And I have been at Christmases where it's just, you'd rather it just slip on by and can we just get on into the next year? Because um, things were hard. But these Israelites knew what that was like. And they knew how difficult it was. And guys, right up into the moment where the shepherds uh, were, were standing around watching over their flocks that night, until the very moment the angel appeared, it was darkness over the land at that time, until the angel came. And once the angel came, brought the good news, and on top of that, praise the Lord, great joy was brought uh, to them. Darkness is not on this day. On this day is a day of great joy. I mean, the one who could erase all of their sorrow is finally there. I mean, the one that can, you know, go back into the memory of their hearts and their minds, uh, the loss of loved ones and wondering, now, where will my loved ones be now that they're uh, stepped out into eternity? And the darkness over their minds is now erased because God brings great joy. I mean, the one who can destroy our enemy is born. The one who fills my, my empty and hopeless heart has been brought to us and has been delivered to us in a lowly manger. It's great joy for the life of us today. Now here's what's exciting to me. Uh, the Bible talks about a joy that the world gives. And I, I remember my dad bought us three kids, uh, the youngest of the three kids at our house, bought us a bike, um, had a banana seed on it. Does anybody remember what a banana seed is? Are those still in existence? Um, Let's see, what were those really tall handlebars, though? What we call those? Monkey bars? I can't remember what those were, huh? Well, we didn't call them that. Did you say ape hangers? Nah. Nah, monkey bars. Yeah, you got to go back 40 years, man. They were cooler back then. Now, there's a reason I'm telling this story. And it'll come back to me here in just a second. We were pretty excited about that. I mean, brand new bikes. I didn't know what brand new meant. I heard people use those words, but I didn't know what brand new meant until that day. And man, I had the, the coolest bike in the whole neighborhood. I still remember the blue seat. Man, the chrome was shiny. It was cool, man. You could even put those things that made your spokes on your wheel rattle when you rode around. I was the coolest guy in the neighborhood. But I'm here to tell you, three years down the road, that bike was on the you know, the side of the garage, it was all rusted. And the great joy that it brought into my life that day disappeared, kind of waned a little bit. The things the world puts into my life, the things the world brings to me to make me smile and happy are so temporary. But you know what's so exciting? When the angel announced that I've got good tidings of great joy, I got a joy that nothing tarnishes. 
It, it never goes away. Every time I get into the Bible and I read the story of the cross and what Jesus went through for me, I still get welled up, my eyes well up, and my heart just, again, begins to thump again. And I'm not saying every time I've ever read it that has happened, but most of the time I read about what God did for me. It still rings in my heart. It's, the chrome is still shiny in my heart. I'm still reminded I have great joy. I've got reason to be excited for what God did for me. My joy started the day I got saved and it's going to last all the way through eternity. I hope you haven't lost your joy. I understand our happiness kind of wanes a little bit and can drift because of outward and hard circumstances that we go through in life. I get that, and, and we've all been there from time to time. But guys, turn back inside and look inside and be reminded what happened the day you got saved and be reminded what the angel told us. You have great joy. You've got a reason to be excited today for what God has done for you. My salvation lasts forever, praise God. Praise the Lord, the prison bars of my heart can be broken. Like I told you, I've preached this probably three or four times. This might be the last time I preach it here, I'm not sure about that, but <clears throat> looking at those three points, I'm like, which one excites me the most? Good news. Great joy. And I, and I would have to say in a real human way, it's probably the last one. All people. Stop and think about that. Um, do you remember how, as we read through even into the New Testament, <clears throat> the Gentiles were looked upon as dogs. That was the outlook that we had. If you remember the Gentiles... If there was a Jew on the way to the temple uh, and he had gotten himself ceremonially clean so he could go and offer a sacrifice uh, at the temple, if a Gentile was walking just past him and his shadow would touch him, many Jews would turn right back around, go back to their house, disgusted that the shadow of a Gentile had touched me, and go back and get themselves ceremonially clean all over again. We were, we were outcasts. We were the scum of the earth. Uh, the Gentiles were. And what amazes me is that approaching the temple, we were allowed as Gentiles to, to get on what is called the outer porch, but there was a wall that separated from going into what was the, the more sacred places where the Jews could assemble and meet. And uh, of course, then you had the holy place and the holy of holies. Uh, <clears throat> but, but there was a wall there. And on that wall, I've read it two or three different ways, but that wall had writing on it for the Gentiles so that when the Gentiles were walking around in the porch, if they decided they wanted to go beyond the wall and see what all the Jews were getting to see on the inside, <clears throat> they came upon these words, let no Gentile or unclean person enter here under the penalty of death. <clears throat> now, that was just a symbol. You say, well, that was just earthly places then I mean uh, just like any other place except really and truly the temple was a place where the Shekinah glory of God where God Almighty would come down and of course in the Holy of Holies uh, where God would come down and hover over the mercy seat and it was the most special spot on earth to come into the very presence of God guys uh, every one of us I'm guessing would not have been allowed to come into the presence of the Lord we were just the dogs 
and we would have been cast out. And if we'd have gone into that, well, I want to see God. I want to know what it's like to get close to God. You couldn't do that in that day and age. The gospel was for the Jew at that time, and yet Jesus had a heart for the Gentiles. Praise the Lord for that. So when the cross of Jesus Christ came, you know the story, right? Uh, At Calvary, when Jesus cried and they gave up the ghost, the Bible says that that veil of the temple, that place where uh, not just any Jew could even go in, the, the great high priest of that year could once a year could go in behind this curtain into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. And there was a great curtain that separated the common man from that holiest place on the face of the earth. But when Jesus died, and when he died with my sin on him, and the sin of the entire world was on Jesus Christ, and when he died for you and me, the Bible says, that real thick curtain ripped in half from the top to the bottom and exposed the holy place where God Almighty would come down. And, and it was a beautiful picture that now, not just the Jew, but the Gentile, anybody can now come into the presence of God and approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I have to tell you, that excites me. That news is the greatest news. It brings joy to my heart. But what excites me today is that it was applied to my life as well. Everybody on the face of the earth can have that joy in their heart. It's for all people. I have heard some people say, I have tried to witness to some people who have said to me, well, that's good for those people in your church, but that never happened to me. I am so rotten, I am so bad. If you just knew what I do in life, you would know what you're describing is not for me. I I love to go and tell them about the Apostle Paul, the the center of sinners, that that this was applied for all men, that when Jesus died on Calvary, guys, do we understand this? When Christ died on Calvary, he took every one of those sins. Even the guy sitting here trying to tell me that if you just knew what I was really like, he took his sins. God knew what he was really like the day he sent his son. Praise the Lord. And still said, I want this gospel to be to all people. I have heard others say, I believe that there's uh, salvation is limited to only certain people. <clears throat> well, whatever God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means your name can be applied into that verse. I put my name in that verse one day, nine years old. For Philip called upon the name of the Lord, and I got saved. Praise the Lord. That good news was for me as well. Uh, Ephesians 2.14 tells me now, For he is our peace, who hath made both, that was the Jew and the Gentile, had made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What he just said was, my cross separates those things that kept uh, <clears throat> common man from the Jew, and now all of us can enter into the, uh, or have access into the very throne of God. That's what he's done for us. It's for all people. <laughs> so praise God, now because of this little babe that was born in a stable, you and I also have access to the Savior of the world. Praise the Lord. God is not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. So um, we say it's Christmas time. And maybe a while ago when I was saying that, I, I don't know what your year was like or what things have gone on with everybody, but I know it could be, a, maybe it's a dark cloud. Maybe it's like that war when people were experiencing the world war and it just wasn't good days. But can I just remind you guys, please remember this. And if I could challenge you to go back to the day that you knelt and invited Christ to be your Savior and remember God coming to live in your heart and soul and know what it was like and what it's like today and know the joy that came into your life the day you got saved and be reminded the world can't take that away and circumstances on the outside I can be I can be sad and I go through all of human emotions we can still have all those emotions my happiness may not be so happy but that joy will never ever leave us I have the promise in my heart that I'll live forever one day. I'm going to see my mom and dad again. Praise the Lord. I'd love to see my mom and dad again. I'd love to pick the phone up today and just call them and say, hey, mom and dad, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys are going to have a great Christmas. Is everybody going to be there? I'd love to be able to say to my mom and dad, guess what? We're all coming home for Christmas. We're going to be with you. I mean, my heart aches for those kinds of things and being able to see loved ones again. But I have the promise in my heart, I will see them again, and I will never be separated from them ever again. That puts a joy in my heart that nobody or nothing else on this earth could ever bring to my life except the joy of the Lord. I don't know if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, please hear this, but answer the question, if this was the day that God brought you out into eternity and now you are literally in eternity forever, If this was the day Christ would take you into eternity, you would die. Do you know the joy in your heart that Christ has saved you? It's nothing to play around with. And if we we could know a a message like this and, and realize what God has done for us here, why would you walk away from such a wonderful message and such good news that brings such great joy to your heart? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, Could I just challenge you in just a moment? We're going to give an invitation, which some people would even ask, what do you mean by an invitation? And it's just an opportunity if you'd like to come and pray and talk to the Lord. The altars would be open, and lots of folks will do that from time to time, or they'll use a front pew, and sometimes they just bow where they're at to talk to the Lord. But I would challenge you, if you don't know Christ as Savior, I'd, I'd love to meet you here at the front and take the Word of God and show you how to be saved greatest joy you will ever have is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Number two, if you are saved, if you look into your own heart here today, I I would challenge you if you just need that joy stirred up again, why don't you just get with the Lord here today and just say, God, I, I, I believe that it is great joy. It's the greatest joy I've ever had. But I need that to be stirred up. I need to sense your presence. I need to know the grace of God. I want to be the one that comes into that throne of grace today and know that my Savior is there for me and with me today. And whatever your need might be this morning, make this the best Christmas you've ever had. Let God change what might be 
disturbing or working in your heart here today. So if you would uh, bow your head with me, our heads bowed and eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.